Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. That's good. You may be seated. You go ahead and pull out your phones or a piece of paper. We're going to pause for pulse just for a moment. Many of you have already been through this process already the last three weeks. We're just going to ask ourselves some questions. I did this this morning and helped me pray through my morning pray through where I am and our questions are how's your body how do you feel what what's are you rested are you tired are you recovering from illness um, how's your head for me I wrote down I'm, I'm thinking of of Matthew and I'm thinking of Chris today um, but I'm also thinking about you and uh thinking about our life groups and how rich they've been these past couple weeks. How's your heart? How's your soul? Um, is it aching? Is it depleted? Is it, f- is it full? Um, though my mind has been on Matthew and Chris and all those things, my, my, my soul and my heart's been full today. It's, it's really weird. I don't understand it, but I thank God for it. How are your relationships? Are they connected? Are they they disconnected? Do they need forgiveness? Take a few minutes, use your phone or a piece of paper, and and just answer these questions for yourself. Um, I'll give you about a couple minutes. Go ahead, take that moment.
second. Doesn't have to be long, just a few words. Gauge where you are. You've done this four weeks in a row, if you've participated. Some of you probably looked at me like I have five heads, and that's okay. Um, but if you've stepped into this a little bit, there have been a few things. Obviously, we said this, these are now a moment where you can, a tool that you can take within your week that you can kind of gauge where you are in any given moment at any given time. But also, this provides you an opportunity to look at what you need to pray for in your own heart, in your own life. But it also provides you a history. It shows you patterns in your life. Each week, I've been anticipatory of this moment with you. And I look forward to it, and I'm excited. It allows you to see patterns. Good not so good and indifferent. But also, you have actually in the last four weeks done this wonderful thing that we call journaling. Um, not many people take time to journal, but when you begin to take time to journal, you begin to really look inside of yourself and take stock of who you are. Because often in the storms and in life, we allow the circumstances around us to define us rather than letting the Lord define us and us put our feet in the ground when we need to. So you have done this the last four weeks and you're looking at those things right now and you've just written them down. I'd ask that you pray over you. Pray over your body, pray over your heart, pray over your mind, pray over your relationships, whichever four areas, one of those four areas that you would like to pray over. And then we're just going to dive right into the scripture, okay? Take a moment and pray over that, will you please? stories and the practicality. May today be a new day for somebody. May it be the starting point on their race for the rest of us. God, breathe into our souls and our lives to provide us some endurance. May we learn from you in your word today. And whether I fumble or bumble, it matters not. May it be you that speak. 
I love you. And I trust you. It's in your name I ask, Jesus. Amen. If you would, please open your Bibles. Um, or pull out your phones and scroll down to 1 Corinthians. We're going to go in 1 Corinthians. And then we're going to jump over to Ephesians. Ephesians is to the right of Corinthians. A uh, couple books. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, I'm going to do a little jumping. The scriptures are up there. And I'll, uh, I'll lead you and guide you as we jump. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to start at verse 4. There are different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You're going to jump down to verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determined. Continue, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we, all, we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Jump over to verse 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. Verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That's beautiful. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat them treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, unpres- wow, f- mouthful with one word, unpresentable, are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So, that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be equal, have equal concern for each other. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. If you would, go ahead and jump over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Just a couple books over. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. It's beautiful. In Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him you too are being built together to become a dwelling 
in which God lives by His Spirit. Chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. You're going to jump down to verse 11. It is He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does, each part does its work. That's a good word. It's a really good word. When uh, on our recent vacation in Montana, we had many miles under our feet and on our legs, and so we took, we took a slow day. And so we went to, the, to a, the bluest of blue lakes that my eyes have ever seen. It was in the shadow of the Mission Mountain Range, just near the city of St. Ignatius. Amy hammocked, and I sat in the shade because I'm pale, and I didn't want to get any sun, and I read a book. Uh, by Craig Groeschel called Lead Like It Matters. And as I'm reading the book, I couldn't help but think of the city that we were nearby, St. Ignatius. Uncannily, just about a day or two before we took our slow day, we, we actually uh, finished, watched an episode from the History Channel's Coliseum. And it was on the martyr, St. Ignatius of Antioch. Now I did a little footwork to figure out whether or not the city was named for St. Ignatius of Antioch or if it was named for the Spanish priest St. Ignatius of Loyola. I couldn't find either one. It mattered not because as I was reading the book, I could not help but think about St. Ignatius and the story that I had just saw unfold on History Channel. Now St. Ignatius, there's, there's not much known from him except for the letters in which he wrote on his journey from Syria to Rome in captivity. But it is said that St. Ignatius was friends with Polycarp. And Ignatius and Polycarp were disciples of John, 
John the Apostle, John the Disciple, the one who actually wrote the book of John, the one who wrote the three letters at the end of the Bible, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He was really creative with his titles. And then Revelation, that John. And in fact, at some point, St. Ignatius became bishop of Antioch. Now, Antioch is the same Antioch that we have in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. It's, it's this epicenter of the church outside of Jerusalem. Uh, it, it's, it's up near Syria, and it's a place where actually Paul, the apostle, and Barnabas actually were kind of somewhat sent off. It's, it's the place where those who were disciples of Jesus, who were following him, actually were first called Christians, meaning little Christs, because the pagans actually saw them living their life like Christ. And so they called them little Christ. It was that Antioch. So, Emperor Trajan made a visit to this area, particularly Antioch. It was a persecutorial visit, meaning he was going to put his fist down on, on this small sect of Christianity. Men and women were being executed in Antioch. However, St. Ignatius was taken in captivity because Trajan, the emperor, had something in mind. He wanted to leverage this bishop and take him before the Colosseum and before the, the, the city of Rome for his 123 days of gladiatorial games. And so under Roman captivity, St. Ignatius began to make his way from, from Antioch all the way to Rome. And that's when he wrote his letters. And one of the letters to his friend Polycarp urged Polycarp to make sure that the Christians in Rome did not prevent his imminent death. See, Trajan had a vision of what would happen once Ignatius was before the crowd and what would happen to this burgeoning sect called Christianity. But see, Ignatius had a different understanding. He had a different mission in mind. In fact, he said, I prefer death in Christ Jesus to power over the farthest limits of the earth. He was speaking to the power of Rome and to the emperor. He who died in place of us is the one object of my quest. He who rose for our sakes is my one desire. That was his vision. That was his mission. And he wanted his mission to come to fruition. And so, arriving to Rome... Ignatius was imprisoned under the Circus Maximus in the Hypogeum. When you're in the Hypogeum, you actually can hear the crowd's roar as well as the lion's roar or the wild beasts. You can hear the screams and the cries of those enduring the horrific scenes in the Circus Maximus. And so his ears were tuned into that. As well as the rest of those that were imprisoned in the hypogeum. 
He did not follow through as many other did in the hypogeum. Many of those waiting to go before the citizens of Rome and before the emperor and the Circus Maximus, they actually began to take their lives because they would rather take their own life than be torn apart by a wild animal in humiliation. St. Ignatius of Antioch rose the stairs and stood in the Circus Maximus before the emperor and before thousands and thousands and thousands of Rome. And much to their shock and dismay, when the beasts were released, when the lions were released, St. Ignatius had a peace and willingly took the brutal death of the lions shredding his body to pieces. The trap that Trajan had set for these people who follow this Jesus actually entrapped Trajan himself. The crowd was silenced. They didn't know what to do with this bishop of Antioch, this follower of Jesus, who had a mission in mind, who had one object of affection, one desire in his life, Jesus Christ. Ignatius captivated the audience, captivated the masses. And people were wondering what it was about these followers of Jesus. So I'm sitting by the bluest of blue lakes reading this book, thinking of, of St. Ignatius and thinking through what the, the words of Craig Rochelle out of this book. And I started thinking through the next year of my life. And I asked God a question. What's your purpose and intention for my life in the next year? So all these threads pulling together, kind of like a, a, a tapestry or a, a rug being put together, began to create a train of thought in my mind. I thought back to August, the front end of August. Before we, we celebrated baptism, we actually had a conversation on our Sunday morning worship gathering about living with the end in mind. St. Ignatius actually lived with the end in mind. He took to heart what Jesus actually did. Jesus lived with the end in mind. He had the mission in mind as he set his life down as a sacrifice for all of humanity. And, and for Jesus, he, he, he continued throughout the Gospels to repeat the mission over and over and over. The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to be a ransom for the many. Another way he repeated is, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him may come to eternal life. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the Father. He just continued to repeat it 
in different ways, shapes, and forms, but it was the same mission. He had the same mission in mind. And after his crucifixion and his resurrection, 40 days later when he's ascending to the right hand of the Father, he actually says, my mission is your mission for all those who follow me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. You see, if you open up the Bible from the front end and you go to the back end, it's, it's, it's not hard to find that God set people on mission. Abraham, he said, go. And Father, go to the land I'll show you, and you'll be the father of many nations. Moses, rescue and reside. Rescue my people from the hands of Pharaoh and reside in the promised land. Joshua, Moses' right-hand man who took over the baton of leadership Essentially, his was walk and receive. Wherever your foot will go, I will give you that territory. Walk and receive. Be strong and obey. To Esther. Esther was interesting. Stand and speak. Stand and speak for deliverance and relief. In fact, Mordecai's words to Esther were these. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Who knows? But that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Isaiah, go and tell. Jeremiah, speak what I say to speak. Peter, feed and tend my sheep. When I was a kid, we went to Myrtle Beach. And uh, it was the first time that I had ever been to the beach. Um, and I don't know if I was seven, eight, nine, ten. I, I, I don't remember. But I, I remember getting out to the beach, and my mom and dad told me to turn around and look where we were. So we were on the beach, and they said, look, and that's your point of reference. That building or whatever it was, I don't even remember what it was. That's your point of reference. I didn't know what they were talking about. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. So I, I went out and I played in the ocean. And, and actually, Craig Rochelle actually talks a little bit about his moment when, when he was in the ocean. I remember being in the ocean for a long time and then looking up and not being able to see that point of reference. I didn't know where it was because I had drifted so far away. And so I, I kind of freaked out. I got out of the ocean and I started walking along the beach and eventually looking for that place or that, that flag or whatever it was I found where my family was see if you don't have a target you don't actually know if you're you're hitting you're aiming right do you if you don't have a target you don't necessarily know if if you're achieving or you're successful or if you're misaligned and your aim is off. Many of us are walking through life without, without aim, without a target. We just are shooting everywhere. 
rather than being laser focused. We're more like the shotgun rather than a rifle. What's your target? What's your aim? What's your mission? So back to that lake, the bluest of blue, reading this book, thinking of St. Ignatius, thinking of, of the sermon that we talked about, live with the end in mind, and, and I was thinking through some of the folks that actually had sent some of their statements to me. I had asked you that write a personal statement of purpose in your life. Essentially, write your target. Get your target so you can align your life. So pray through it. Ask God to speak. And I received four. I received four. And I was blown away. Whoop. That was my wife's. Cheryl Devine texted me. Very long text. I loved it. A lot of scripture. You can see the scriptures below. But she said, the purpose of my life is to know Christ intimately. To be like Him. Being a servant of Christ in obedience to Him. Serving and encouraging others. No matter if they believe or not. Believers and non-believers. So that Christ might be glorified. Debbie couldn't come up with like a particular statement. She said, I've got some end goals. These are my end goals. These are my end life goals. She said, to fill my life in thoughts so full of Jesus that it consumes my heart and life. That the awareness of Him and what He has done for me oozes out of my very cells. And then she said this, to spend the rest of my life, goal number two, to spend the rest of my life in service to others. Baking, cooking, encouraging. If you know Debbie, she loves to bake. That's her skill set. She loves it. That's her passion. She's basically saying, I want to use my passion in whatever form it takes so that my love for Jesus is more than just prayers for someone. But it's actions. Action-driven. Like mother, like daughter. Katie Lynch sent me hers. She said, to serve, love, and teach children the love, grace, and salvation of Jesus, whether passively or directly. Like mother, like daughter. Like mother, like son, like sister. Because the... Fourth person was Bobby, Debbie's son. <laughs> None of them knew that they all sent me theirs. And by the way, it, just in case you're wondering, I did ask everybody's permission to share this with you. Okay. Um, he said, I, I want to live life where people see Jesus in both my actions and words. A life where others know I am different. A life where others see supernatural peace and are jealous of it, or, in other words, that they desire that for themselves. I ask God, hey, I'm looking ahead. What's my purpose and intention for the next year? Now, you've heard me speak many, many times, and I have my own 
personal statements of, of mission. And what I had a sense from him was your objective for the next year is to inspire and move your people that they live out their personal mission. They write it and they live it. See, we're one body. I don't know if you've caught the, the once and the one throughout the sermon series, but we're one body. We're one body under Christ. He is the head. He's the cornerstone. He's our leader. He's our center. He died for you and rose from the dead for you, not me. Okay? Follow me as I follow him. We're one body. But one body has, as they say, here's the church, here's the steeple, open up the doors and there's all the people. There's you, right? Bad dad joke, I know. I'm sorry. But one body is made up of many people, many members. We're one body under one mission. Love people to Jesus, right? But when I look at the scriptures, they all had that same approach, but they all had different missions. We're all rays of light, and when we come together, we're this massive beam of light shining bright. So, our objective, our challenge for the next year, your challenge, is to ask the Lord, what's my, what's my mission? What is my mission? What's my personal statement? Not just to have it so that pastor will be going proud of me and put put my statement up on the screen no 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 what's my mission so that I can keep it in mind so that I know my target and I know if I'm if my aim is on or if it's off because since we're one body and there's many members we all have different skills and gifts talents and abilities we just we just said it Debbie loves to bake You might be really handy. You might have a knowledge base and experience base that no one else does. You might be able to care for people like no one else does. See, this is why we have different staff. Right? Matthew and I are two different people. We do our best to connect with everybody. But the reality is he has an ability and a skill set that I don't have and I have a, an ability and a skill set that he doesn't have and it enables us to love all the people that God entrusts to us. Same with youth ministry. When I look at Laura and myself and I look at Matt Cope and I look at Brittany McDonald and I look at Debbie, all of us have different skill sets. In fact, Brendan said, I'm the oldest child he knows. Right? 
I can be really stupid while somebody else is really serious and can bring it down to ground level. But you know what? We all connect with all our teenagers. One body, many members, one mission, and each member has their own mission. And when we come together, we're, rays of, we're, we're this beam of light. And when we go out, we're rays of light into our community. You living your mission that God has given you. So, it's very practical today. What's your purpose and intention statement for your life? Could be like Debbie and have a couple end goals. But I'm challenging you. Take time. Ask the Lord, what is it? Whether you're 95 or whether you're 15, what is it? Back to Ignatius. He says this. Being come together in the same place. Let there be one prayer. One supplication. One mind. One hope. In love and in joy undefiled. There is one Jesus Christ than whom nothing is more excellent. Therefore... All should run together as into one temple of God, as to one altar, as to one Jesus Christ, who came forth from the Father and is with and has gone to one. One body. One mission. Love people loving people to Jesus. Many members who have their own personal mission and intention for their life. Living it out amongst our community. The challenge is set before you. And as you pray through that, we're going to see this more and more throughout the next year. You're going to hear about it. I just encourage you. Take time. Pray through it. And ask God, you know what? What is it? What's my life for? Give it to me. Help me put it down. And may I start aiming for that target today. you mind standing? And when that happens, as you're processing this, as you're praying through it, as you're reading Scripture, and you're asking the Lord those questions, and you, you write something out, send it to me. Send it to me. Please. Send it to me, and then that helps me pray for you, too. That helps me pray for you. And then it, it provides me a point of going, how are you on your mission? How are you on your life mission today? Heavenly Father, I love you, and I thank you. Our life is meant for more than football and chicken wings and couches all those, those are fun. Our life is meant to impact. To bring heaven and earth together. You set us on mission to make disciples of all nations. To love as, as you have loved us. 
may we pick up that, that banner, that baton, and begin to run with it where we are. Whether we're from Crydersville or Shawnee or Lima or right here in Wapak or Botkins, may we be people on a mission for you. Inspire them, speak to them. May they pause and reflect on their own life and who they are and what you've called them to be. I trust you, God, that you will reveal those things to us. I love you, Jesus. Because ultimately, you just want humanity right with you. You want our neighbors to be in connection with you. And our co-workers and our family and our friends. You want eternal life to be burgeoning, growing in lives. I love you. And I thank you. It is in your name, Jesus, that we ask these things today. Amen. Challenge is up for you. Send it to walpawknaz at gmail.com, stephen.h.ambrose at gmail.com. Shoot me on Facebook. I want to hear you. I want to see it, man, and I'll be praying for you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and will you please, please, please love your neighbor as yourself. We will see you soon. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Go Bengals. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.